This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, how's it going? Christoph Trapp here, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. We're back on a number of channels, Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitch. Thanks to our friends over at Restream to um, make that possible for us to ship this episode to all the different channels. Of course, if you are listening on the podcast version, make sure you connect on LinkedIn or Twitter or Periscope or any of the other channels if you want to listen to the live streams as they come out. Today we want to talk about marketing operations. I don't think we've talked about that topic at all in in in, in that sense, you know, using that terminology. But what's interesting about marketing ops, and, and today's guest can fill me in, she can correct every mistake I'm making um, in the intro here. But, you know, everybody has a strategy. Many people have a strategy. They come up with something, here's the latest theory, we should do this and we should do that. But at the end of the day, Somebody still has to do the work. Somebody actually has to implement it because you know what happens. My podcast will never, ever take off if I don't produce them, if I don't get them in front of people, if I don't actually have a good call to action, all those different things, right? Nothing will work if we don't do that. So today's guest is Christina Vitir Saunders, and she runs her own agency. Uh, we'll put the URL up here in a, in a minute cs2marketing.com. She's an expert at uh, marketing operations. Let's get her on the show here. How's it going today? Great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Really? And you have your own podcast as well. I do. I uh, co-host a podcast called Forward Thinking, um, a B2B uh, marketing podcast with my husband, Charlie. So yeah, it's great to um, be on the other side today, getting asked questions instead of asking them, which is always a bit easier. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to, to connect with you. And, and just a reminder, um, Christina and I, we connected somewhere on social media. So she didn't pitch to come on the show. Uh, we, we didn't have a PR agency reach out, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> And the reason I mention that is because that's usually those are the best guests. So let's dive into the topic, marketing operations. Um, I'm not sure that was a term anybody used, I don't know, eight years ago, 10 years ago. Um, what What is it? Where did it come from? Why do we now need marketing operations? Yeah, um, that's a great question because I actually... I started my career um, at Marketo uh, about just over 10 years ago. And even then, I think we were creating the category of marketing automation. And the, you know, the title of marketing operations was maybe just getting started then, but it was very much just tied to whoever was, you know, managing your marketing automation platform, or, um, you know, even before that, if they weren't using marketing automation, like your email tool, and like, getting lists from events and scrubbing them and, I don't know if anyone else on the call here remembers, you know, gathering business cards, um, unless people put them in a fishbowl, you know, back when we actually did in-person events, like you don't normally receive leads that way anymore. And, but back then that was, you know, pretty much a big part of your lead gen. Um, so someone might be, you know, 
working on that. And since then, you know, the technology landscape has just blown up. If you look at um, Chief Martech's, uh, you know, technology landscape uh, image and you compare that uh, to when it first started to now, you know, there's thousands and thousands of tools um, that marketers can use to execute on their strategy. I loved what you said, like you, you can build a marketing strategy, but, um, you know, there's no point if you can't execute it on that. However, a lot of companies still, I think maybe now they're realizing the importance of marketing operations as a function and why it's important, but they haven't always invested in it, or they may not even have it until they're a certain size. And I think now with everything moving digital and things moving so fast and wanting to connect with your customer, um, I think it's getting the recognition it deserves. And I think people are realizing not only is it a position you need, um, you need a whole team and it also should be eligible, just the importance of it and the, that because they really own the whole customer journey. So when you say, you know, roles on your team, I mean, what every seriously, every marketing team I talk to, they never have enough people. I mean, whether it's <laughs> three people or 30 people or 70 people, I mean, nobody ever has enough time for anything, it seems right. And of course, with COVID, it seems like we got some of that time back because we're not constantly getting interrupted, even though interruptions have kind of changed to an extent. Um, but but what size of teams should have marketing operations? Or is it really, it's any team and it's just different people keeping those roles? Yeah, I mean, if you're a very small team, it's, it's likely if you have a demand gen person that they can be a great kind of uh, pseudo half demand gen, half marketing ops person um, because they're not only developing the strategy, but then they can execute on it. And usually things aren't so sophisticated at that point where you need a ton of people. Um, but I still suggest to companies and startups to invest in this hire upfront pretty early, at least one person that manages it. And then it, because if you set up your systems, your process, your data structure, um, you know, execute on your campaigns faster. If you set that whole foundation well at the beginning, you'll save yourself time and even money uh, later down the line trying to fix all of the issues that maybe were, um, in, you know, a product of, you know, building too fast or you have a ton of technical debt because, um, you know, the people that put in the processes weren't really well-versed on like what's best practice or it's not a, you know, an area that they're really skilled in. So I think that, you know, if you're, if you're doing demand gen, if you have a marketing automation platform, at, you know, of any size, having a marketing ops person is a really wise hire to, um, to put in right away if you can. Absolutely. And, you know, the whole comment on workflow, I mean, there's so many terrible workflows out there. It's not even funny when you see what people are doing and, uh, and, but it, it takes a lot of work. I want to pull up this um, eight-part um, framework um, to elevate um, marketing ops that you put together and you sent me earlier. Um, the one thing I found very interesting is the build a MarTech stack that works. I mean, what yeah. what does that mean and how does that look? And, of course, we actually had Scott Brinker on the show before. Um, and he, oh, amazing. You know, you know, and he talked about that and... 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and we had a good discussion whether you should bundle or unbundle and how do you decide and, you know, are you ready to to risk your job by, by buying a crappy system that's going to take you a year to implement? Um, but but how do you, what's your perspective? How do you get that going? And And I'm a big believer to use technology that helps us, that makes things easier for us. And and I have a very, very low tolerance, I guess, maybe zero tolerance for crappy technology that makes my life harder. Yeah, well, first off, the fact that you've had Scott Brinker on is amazing. I'll need to go back and check out that episode um, because I think that all of his messaging, positioning around marketing ops um, and just uh, you know, marketing, MarTech in general is amazing. But yeah, so I, I think the key thing here with building a MarTech stack that works is, you know, one that works for you and not against you. And I think there's a few things to uncouple here. I think if you're, you know, early on, um, you know, early stage startup, but looking to um, build up your tech stack, I think it really depends on the overall goals of the marketing team. And then taking those goals and deciding, um, you know, what technology you need to actually execute on that strategy that's going to help you meet those goals. Um, And, you know, what fits the overall um, budget, you don't want to spend a ton on tech, but then not have any budget left over to actually do marketing. I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops. In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road. And if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event virtually. Please reach out to me, ctrap at gmail.com or authenticstorytelling.net. Making sure that the ratio between that is, is you know, makes sense um, is the first place to start. And the, um, the second thing is to keep in mind the people. So when you think about tech, you have um, the people behind it, like the actual bodies, the budget I covered. Um, but the people that will actually be managing is a good thing to keep in mind, too, because if you don't have enough people to actually manage the tools, it, it probably makes sense not to invest in them yet. Um, and the third thing is, you know, before you actually invest in any tech, it's great to actually build a case out for it. So really make sure the whole you know, team, marketing team is bought into the concept of why you need that tool, mm-hmm. how it's going to be used and how it fits to the overall goals of the marketing team. Um, and so uh, when you're doing the selection, making sure that all these things are kept in mind and, you know, really the, the bare bones basics is, you know, running something to like a marketing automation platform. But then beyond that, there are other tools you can add on to it. But it really depends on what your goals are. You know, do you have an ABM strategy? Is your uh, is a goal of yours to really, um, you know, capture as much demand on your um, website as you can? And maybe that involves something like a chat tool or some other conversational marketing tool. And so um, I would say it really depends. Um, But those three things as far as like, you know, the budget, uh, the bodies that are involved and then building a case there is a good place to start. And of course, if nobody is um, shepherding the technology, as you said, it's really hard to implement it. 
Uh, regarding conversational marketing, if you guys want to go back to the episode with Mark um, Kylens, I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, he's uh, with Drift, VP of Content and Community there. He talked about their whole, the whole area of conversational marketing, how to use uh, chatbots. And, you know, one of the things that just bothers me when it comes to chatbots, when they say things to me like, could you please rephrase that? I don't understand. Or I'll respond, or or please email me. Those are the worst. I'm like, why do you even have a chatbot on your website if it's not going to help me one way or another? Um, so very interesting. So you also talk about the mindset, right? Of course, how do you implement ops and and how do you implement um, technology? Um, talk about that a little bit. What what kind of mindset do we need in today's modern marketer to to make this all work? Yeah, I mean the. I think the thing that people don't realize in, in this job is, is just also just the, the stuff that goes with it. It's a very stressful job. You know, a lot of the times the marketing team members who are building out campaigns like a demand gen team um, will get praised for their campaigns. Um, but then, if you know, the first thing that goes wrong with something, it's always marketing operations to be blamed. So it's... It's a bit of a um, a challenging role for for some, but it's it's also just an amazing role for your career. It's very sought after, um, and it also can just be so um, valuable just for your forward thinking career. As far as like you could, you may even be positioned to be a great CMO or a CRO, or um, you know. I think even people are talking about chief technology officers now and really on the marketing and sales side, but you have so much visibility into the whole customer journey. What's best practice? What are the strategies? Um, you know, what's working, what's not, how do sales development teams work? Um, what makes them effective? L literally everything. And that's what I love about the role. That's what I, I love about marketing ops because I love basically anything that drives business and revenue. And I think very often the marketing ops team isn't looked as a revenue driver, but we just so are. We're the number one team that really can, even just simple use case, someone comes to your website, fills out a form. It's the marketing operations team to make sure that person gets straight into the salesperson's hands. It should follow up. And a really great marketing ops team will do that effectively. And that, if it doesn't happen, you know, revenue is left on the table, but if it does happen, that's like, you know, the faster it is, that's revenue one. That's a competitive mm -hmm. advantage. So I really try and tell, um, you know, marketing ops teams to really think of themselves in that elevated way. You're not just a Marketo admin. You're not just a Pardot admin. You aren't just a firefighter. You're really a team or a person that can um, drive value for the business and partner with a lot of different teams as far as the CMO you know, sales, sales development, even customer success in making sure that that whole customer journey is, you know, seamless and, um, but also that they're hitting their goals. And obviously the number one goal for um, a whole business is, is revenue. So really positioning your work against that because it can be hard to prioritize when you, like you said, the work never ends, right? There's always stuff to be done. But if you are prioritizing, um, then that's really going to help. And we we had a recent podcast that, that launched this week about um, building out a roadmap, kind of similar to a product team would. The product teams usually work with engineers, and that's where I see the future marketing ops teams. You would have 
kind of like the creatives, the people who are really good at working cross-functionally, driving strategy, but know how all the systems should work and work together. And you might have like your very technical technologists who are like your engineering team, but those marketing ops people are really driving that roadmap, creating it. They find the North Star and then they're measuring against that um, so that, you know, the marketing ops team and the engineers, you know, technologists are only working on things that, that truly matter. And so getting to that mindset of really, you know, putting rigor to this role, really, you know, operating your team, even if it's a team of one, still having all the things that are important and then taking care of yourself. I think making sure you realize like there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of stuff to be done. And so setting boundaries is really great. Setting SLAs because there's always going to be different people trying to take your time um, trying to create fire drills, trying to, um, you know, give you late requests. And so make sure that you're taking care of yourself, but also putting enough boundaries in SLAs so that you can stay sane in this job. And you have to, and you know, I know you didn't uh, necessarily refer to work-life boundaries, but Carlos Hidalgo was on the show talking about that exact same thing. Um, you have to set some boundaries because at the end of the day, there's no end in sight. I mean, I'm just uh, thinking about when I grew up as a journal, um, journalist writing for a print newspaper at that time. You know what? At some point, that print newspaper went to bed and that was the end of the day. Like today, you can just keep working nonstop. So very good um, tip. Do, do marketing ops people have a tendency to get burned out or, or how do they catch that that they don't get burned out? Yeah, definitely. We actually did a survey against um, marketers in general, but a, a good amount of them marketing ops uh, even before COVID. And it was clear that um, it was like 80% of them have, you know, are, are stressed out. And, um, you know, 60% of them have, you know, think about at least once a week, even leaving their job. So I, I think we need to realize like the actual mental impacts. And I think people are, are feeling what that's like, just the general kind of anxiety that you can feel. And when you're in a role where it's very customer facing, you are, you think about it, you're pressing buttons that are going to impact a ton of people, a ton of things. And you're also just the work will never end. There's always different things that can come up and you're usually understaffed, which is why I I love, you know, on our podcast or podcasts like these or even workshops we've held, it's always about elevating marketing ops because I'm, I'm speaking to the CMOs, I'm speaking to the heads of these departments to say, you know, you need to invest in this area. And also it's hard to find good talent. So you want to make sure that those people are also happy so that you can keep them because it's very, this is the hardest role. Um, you'll see a lot of impact on potentially the bottom line if there's a lot of turnover in this role because there's a lot of knowledge that potentially leaves with that person um, or it's just really hard to find good talent. And so as much as you can hold on to that, the better. Um, but yeah, burnout is a huge one, I, I think. Um, that's why we're kind of, you know, these things around building a roadmap is, um, positioning yourself in an elevated way, tying your work back to revenue so you can build the case for more headcount. Mm -hmm. Um, these are all things that we're, um, you know, telling other people in marketing ops to do. And I think that truly can, um, help with that. I've experienced it myself because it also, if, if you know, I mean, you probably know this, everyone knows this, if, if someone's great at their job, they 
typically don't get rewarded. They just get more work um, or maybe someone else's work or maybe someone's kind of slacking. And so um, I think great people in these roles too um, will sometimes get overworked because, you know, there's too much to do and not enough people. So just um, for the leaders and CMOs, keeping that in mind. Well, and I've said that for a long time, just because you get done quicker, the reward can just be to get more work, especially in companies that go, you know, with the dreaded billable hour. Um, don't get me don't get me started on that topic. But, uh, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. There has to be a different reward um, when you get stuff done or when you're good or when or when you're fast. Right. I mean, I know people who can do stuff. In no time, right? Because they've done it a hundred times. I mean, if I had to go into Marketo and set up a campaign, it's going to take me a lot longer than the person <laughs> that's doing it every day heads down, right? I can tell them, I can give them the strategy. Where does the strategy fit in? I mean, is that like a different person or different team or how uh, how does marketing ops get the, the strategy that we're following? Yeah, I think this is a good question because it's, I think it depends on the organization. Mm-hmm. You know, I typically work with B2B tech companies that are, you know, VC funded, um, kind of maybe, you know, early stage startups, mid, mid-sized companies, um, some, uh, you know, post IPO. But I, I definitely see that across the board, you know, this, the strategy will kind of start with the head of marketing or CMO and then work its way down into like a demand gen team who's coming up with the campaign ideas. Um, and then demand gen will usually partner with marketing ops to um, execute on that. But I, that's mainly on the marketing side. And then if you think about other strategies that will definitely impact marketing, you know, a sales development team, it's always been really unclear. Does this fall under marketing? Does it fall under sales? But they're so much reliant on what gets sent over for marketing. There's a lot of projects that fall on the marketing ops team's lap that is basically tied to sales development and strategy. And even those tools now like outreach and sales loft, those are even falling into the marketing ops camp. And, but the great thing that I think is about from marketing ops, because we do it so often, we're close to the data. And if you are in a marketing ops person close to the data, you should be because that is so valuable as well. And it can also be a way that you can partner with your um, executives, especially a CMO, and it can be great for your career. But um, because you see what's effective, you can really you know, get the plans from other teams and then provide insight into um, what's gonna be most effective. What are benchmarks? How could this be changed? You know, Get their end goal in mind and then tell them what should be executed. So. It really depends. And we do have a, a, a few podcasts on that around, you know, developing the ABM strategy. Um, and I think that gives some good insight into how a marketing ops person, especially now when everything's digital, can actually provide the strategy. You know, you the, the marketing team will tell you the end goal, but you can really help define what are all the pieces that's going to help them get there. What are all the things that make up a great you know, multi-channel campaign or ABM play and and then also how to execute that and also how to measure on it. 
Yeah, um, very interesting. And just a quick reminder, if you're watching here on the live stream or the video version on YouTube and you're wondering um, who's doing all of these wonderful graphics and the, the moving screens and everything, that's me. Uh, I use Switcher Studio. Check them out, switcherstudio.com uh, for your live streams. And then, of course, we tie that into Restream to push to all those different channels and then Anchor to get the podcast out the door. So it's a lot easier than I just made that sound. Um, Christina, where do people come from when they enter marketing ops? So, for example, I grew up as a journalist. You know, I kind of moved into uh, marketing, communications, and then content marketing, I guess, 10 years ago, right? And then mostly digital marketing. Uh, What are people's skill sets that they need to enter that field? Yeah, so I think if you talk to a lot of people in marketing ops and you ask them, how did you end up working ops? (laughs) They'll usually tell you they kind of fell into it. And so that could be someone who is maybe in just a marketing kind of general role. That happened to me. I, you know, I started out as kind of a marketing coordinator at Marketo, but I just, you know, found what a great opportunity to lead a team using a tool at that company. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to stick to that. And I just, I, I loved being like so close to all different teams, you know, and um, once we got behind, you know, past the basics, like lead scoring and, and stuff like that, I, and we entered target account marketing, which now everyone calls it ABM. I figured out cool ways to execute on that, you know, running a direct mail strategy. And granted that was almost 10 years ago. And people are now, you know, talking about direct mail and part of their ABM strategy. But, you know, we were doing that 10 years ago and figuring out how to do it with the small set of tools we had. I just thought it was just fascinating. I loved it. But I think a key thing that, um, you know, for me falling into it was just my, um, I love, I have a great attention to detail and just remembering things. I have a very visual memory. So for me in technology, and also now, um, you know, handling a bunch of clients, it really helps having that memory base, um, memory bank. Not, you know, I can pick up things really quickly. I can take a technology, you know, learn it, and then um, continue to be the best at using it. Um, and I, you know, now hiring team members, that's kind of what I look for. I look for someone who is really eager to learn, has a learning, like learning mindset, you know, there's so many different tools and new best practices, stuff like that. So you want to constantly be learning. So create a culture of learning at um, CS2. um, But we also are constantly looking for people who want to continue to learn. Um, And that attention to detail, someone who can really speak um, about, you know, articulate uh, their thoughts well, because you need to as much as it's great to be able to, um, you know, work through the technology and, and really be a key technologist, I think a great marketing ops leader in person is someone who can understand the audience that you're building something for and really articulate the value and keep things simple enough where it's really going to scale, but not too simple where, uh, you know, they're going to like rip it out. And um, so all of those things and, I think that if people have a background in science, you know, um, marketing too, but um, engineering, like those are all great backgrounds. Um, You know, one thing that helps me as a marketer too is I I learned marketing, but I also did a minor in English and I I love writing. I love, um, you know, articulating, um, you know, 
thing. I think it helps the documentation. Um, so I think that can be useful on the marketing side, but marketing ops is definitely that kind of attention to detail as well as um, the learn eager eagerness to learn is super important. Of course, the eagerness to learn, we talk about that all the time and also unlearning, right? How do you unlearn something and then learn whatever else you have to do um, next? Um, Daniel Murray was on the show talking about that service Titan, I believe. If you guys want to listen yeah. to that, um, super interesting. Oh, I, I love the um, the unlearning because yeah. I think that is something that some marketing ops people can get bit in the um, the butt for because if you're just so stubborn, you only do <clears> something <throat> one way. It's just, and I see that a lot of people go into an organization. They're like, we need to have you know X Y Z the way that I've always built it. That's not mm -hmm. a that's not a good marketing ops person that does that because. Every landscape's different. Every company's different, and and also things change. You know, um, if we kept our strategies at CS2 the same over the past like five and a half years, that would be crazy. I would, I would, you know, there might be agencies that still do that, but you need to evolve, and things are constantly evolving. So you do need to unlearn or change your mind on certain things. Yeah, that is definitely true. Things change all the time. I mean, I'm just thinking about podcasting how that has evolved just in the last year, how we produce them, how we push them out and, and how we connect with everybody. Um, how about the ability or skill to have used specific tools? So for example, you mentioned SalesLoft. I've used SalesLoft before, big fan of it, um, which is interesting. It's really, it's supposed to be more for salespeople, right? But I know now it's more, it's uh, marketers are using it as well because I think it's a fantastic tool. But how important is it to know the specific tool that a company uses. So if I go into a company and they say, we don't use sales loft, we use fresh sales and or, or whatever, right? And it's uh, conceptually you can do, or even HubSpot, you can do similar things in there. They're all, you know, it's just like the buttons look different and they have additional features and all those things. So how important is it? Is, I guess this is a question for hiring managers or hiring, uh, you know, if you're hiring a, a, a freelancer, that the people you hire in marketing ops know every specific tool. I mean, is that even possible? I think that in some ways it's important. I, I mm -hmm. do think that you can find someone who has a great breadth of knowledge in certain tools. I think on the agency side, like my team, we work with so many different companies and over the years have used a ton of tools. So we'll know them. Um, that's a bit harder for someone who works in-house where you may only have a few different tech stacks that you're working on. But a lot of the the way these tools work um, can be similar. So I think depending on what you're looking for, if you're looking for a great marketing ops leader for like that team, I think sometimes don't, you know, take away the what tools have they used before and think about, you know, how did their team use them? you know, what was the strategy they had for their team? Like, did they have an agile methodology they used for their team? Did they have a roadmap? Um, how well can they work cross-functionally with different teams? Can they be a chameleon? Can they, you know, speak differently to the audiences? Can they negotiate? So being able to, um, you know, negotiate to make sure that their roadmap um, is something that they can execute on and do, they don't, get impacted from all these different people. I think that's key for a marketing ops leader. And yes, they need to know how the systems work and, and the best practices there. Um, but if you're looking for someone who's really gonna you know, be an admin for your tool, say like Marketo, 
or HubSpot or Pardot, whatever it might be. I think the market automation platform is the one that people think about first because there's so much mm-hmm. that goes into that. I think that can be useful, but you have to know that like if someone is using a Marketo, which has a lot of the bells and whistles, it's likely they can pick up Pardot or HubSpot pretty easily. Um, but, you know, start looking with someone for, that matches those skills, but know that any of the other kind of tools don't expect everyone to, to know everything. But I will say the one thing that hurts me inside is I have been seeing recs out there that will look for someone in marketing ops who can use the marketing automation platform, be marketing ops, but also can be, is there like web developer or someone who manages their website? And I will tell you that is, if you find that unicorn somewhere and that can someone that can actually do that, oh, that's okay. But I think that's, that's a sign that one, you're not investing in, in the right, like, like people. And it's never gonna, it's never gonna work out. I think <laughs> after a certain point, you need to find someone who's really gonna own marketing ops. There's only, there's always so much for that. So if you're trying to then also add on your website or web development or someone who knows to actually code, um, that could be a skill that you could find a marketing ops person, but having all of that um, responsibility fall on one person is the recipe for disaster, in my opinion. Yeah, don't even get me started on the slashes we have out there. Everybody, I mean, I know why people want to do it, right? Because it theoretically saves you money if one person can do everything. Uh, but I was talking yeah. to somebody the other day and, and they were looking for content marketing help, product marketing help, and something else something else in marketing. And and I actually commented and I said, you know, it's actually kind of cool that you're um, realizing or recognizing that they're very, they're, they're different strategies, right? They're different focuses. So same thing here. Not everybody can do everything. I mean, it's like uh, sometimes I see these director of content marketing roles out there and they're what they're really looking for is a designer. Uh, like I'm not a designer, but I'm certainly a content marketer. It's kind of crazy to to think about that yeah um, yeah and i think that well to to be honest and i think <laughs> i see this on b2b i think and you're obviously an evangelist for this i think some people just are in that old mindset of content is just the content content's the asset that like someone you're going to try and get as a hook to get someone's name or to fill out a form or something like that and it's very clear to me, like if someone is hiring someone be like, you're going to produce, you know, X amount of white papers, infographics, stuff like that. And they're focused more on putting the budget into the design of it, but then very little thought into the actual content. Um, They, you know, their content strategy is wrong. It's, you know, (laughs) now more than ever, like, you know, there's different formats of content and it's, and if anything, you shouldn't be gating it. Um, But the, you know, it, it, there needs to be a focus on, not, not so much of this like generating content just for content's sake. If it's sitting there, um, it'll help us. That's our marketing strategy. It's, you know, what's the goal of the content? How are you going to yeah. engage them? And I totally <laughs> agree. And it, yeah. So. And the whole, the whole notion people saying you always have to create new content is totally wrong. Anyways, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, I think the first thing we need to do is look at all the content we have and update what's working and what's not working. And, and actually this whole week, I don't think maybe I wrote one new piece of content and everything else. I used old content that I updated and there was a lot of stuff I had to throw away because it was just horrible. It didn't do anything. It didn't convert. Nobody even read it, you know, so why do we have it? Um, so very interesting. Great to have you on the show, Christina, cs2marketing.com. 
I assume that's CS, that those are your initials. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Saunders and Chrissy Saunders, you got it. Got it. How convenient. CS2marketing.com. <laughs> and you work with what kind of companies? We work with B2B tech companies, mainly um, in, uh, you know, in the Bay Area, but located, you know, all across uh, the United States and even some global teams. Um, so, yeah, and we specialize in Marketo, but like, Like I said, we were much more than just a market automation platform technology. You know, we help support all of marketing ops and, um, you know, we're, we want to elevate those teams and, you know, marketing ops. You can't do marketing without outstanding market operations, in my opinion, or any market operations for that point, like you started this chat with. So, yeah. Absolutely. We can't get anything done if we don't do the actual work and just talk about it. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to lose any weight until I start dieting. I mean, as much as I want to talk about <laughs> losing weight. Christina, it was great to have you on the show. Thanks for sharing your insights. Really appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You bet. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next time.